3ABN Australia Radio would like to welcome you to Songs of Praise.
Christ. 
Songs of Praise continues on 3ABN Australia Radio.
faithfulness oh god my father there is no shadow of turning with thee thou changest not thy compassions they fail not as thou hast been thou forever wilt be summer and winter springtime and harvest sun moon and stars in their courses above join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness mercy
the trumpet and loud let it ring. Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, ye pilgrims, be joyful and sing. Jesus is coming again. Gullet hilltops proclaim it, ye plains. Jesus is coming again. Coming in glory, the Lamb that was slain. Jesus is coming again. Tell the vast wandering throng, Jesus is coming again. Tempests and whirlwinds, the anthem prolong. Jesus is coming again. Coming again. Psalm 66, verse 8. Praise our God, you peoples. Make the sound of his praise heard.
can cleanse each spot. Nothing can come. 
of sinful man, God eternal, humble to the grave, Jesus Savior, risen now to Musical messages about our loving Creator God. This is Songs of Praise.
Tell me the story of Jesus Right on my heart Every word Tell me the story Most precious Sweetest that ever was heard Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth and glory to God in the highest peace and Good tidings to earth Tell me the story of my Jesus Right on my heart every word Tell me the story most Sweetest that ever was heard Fasting alone in the desert Tell of the days that are past He was tempted And yet was triumphant at last Tell of the years of his labor And tell of the sorrow he Homeless, rejected, and poor Tell of the cross where they nailed him Writhing in anguish and pain Tell of the grave where they laid him and tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so tender, clearer than ever I see. Stay let me And right on my heart 
forward to your company next time on Songs of Praise. Bye for now and may God bless you. Today, in 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading, we are continuing Banish the Night by the late missionary pilot and pastor Len Barnard, read by Clive Nash. The book is set in Papua New Guinea and is broadcast with the kind permission of Pacific Press and is available in print and digital editions online. Continuing Chapter 20 Men to Match My Mountains I exult in my work again in the land and among the people I love. No longer can I share their toil and tears on the mountain trails, but I can fly in and out of the valleys to visit them. 
Most centres are locally headquartered near the airstrips. And as long as the ground is not slippery or rough, since I'm still able to walk several miles, I can carry on my work almost as formerly. More than 20 years have passed since I took up my mission activities, and as I look down while flying overhead on the Togaba leper colony, which was my first mission appointment, I gain a new satisfaction. Most of the early buildings have been rebuilt. The addition of specialists on the staff has greatly improved the medical service. Spiritual emphasis is maintained in the institution. And my daughter Sharon, only three years old when we carried her into Togaba on the day we took up our appointment, is now a trained nurse and a missionary to the needy lepers of New Guinea. While trudging over the mountains of the interior, many a time I dreamed of the day when I would link up with a fellow missionary from the coast. Plans were even formulated more than once for such a rendezvous. Some day the jungle would part and hands be classed as a highland missionary join hands with one from the lowland. Likewise, for over half a century, while battling the treacherous seas of steamy Papua, many an Adventist missionary has wistfully scanned the distant blue of the soaring highlands and dreamed of the day when its slopes would be conquered for Christ. Now we have mission aircraft, the method of bringing to pass these visions of future achievements. My carefully laid plans for advance were only interrupted by the accident. For over two years I had been working toward the day when I would strike deeply into the upper reaches of the mighty Fly River and then fan outward. The initial target was Kayunga, 600 miles up the river and only a few miles from the West Irian border. While it would take the mission vessel eight long days, plugging upstream from the mouth of the meandering sluggish Fly River to reach Kayunga, I could fly there from Ligham in 75 minutes. Finally, a day was set for this advance move, April 17, 1968. Tools, supplies and evangelistic aids were gathered. Pastor Paul Piari, the proven pioneer, was selected to lead. Two other hardened missionaries, Timothy and Sambai, were chosen to assist Paul. Several days prior to this move were spent in special Bible study and prayer. For two days before our departure, storm clouds continually chased each other over the ridges. Since I had not seen Kayunga before, and since it was surrounded by vast swampy flats devoid of landmarks, I needed reasonable weather to locate it. But the morning of my departure dawned bright and clear. My wife was relieved and I was delighted. Smoothly mounting the early morning sky, I set course, treetop clouds covering the jungle of the plains. After 75 minutes of flying, my passengers and I saw Kayunga obligingly appear over the aircraft's nose through a small hole in the clouds. As soon as we landed, our missionaries tumbled excitedly out of the aircraft and unloaded the tools and supplies. A visit to the local government offices found them cooperative, and a quick survey of the locale found the New Guineans friendly. Two other Christian mission organisations had preceded us to the area. They were neighbourly, and there was plenty of work for all here. When I returned five days later, Paul joyfully informed me that a village six miles deep in the jungle had welcomed him. I flew over it, 
and saw that posts had already been erected in a clearing for his house and a start made on a garden. Crowds flocked to hear the message of hope. This clan had only recently moved into the area from a remote part of the jungle, and the gospel deeply appealed to their parched hearts. Several weeks later, I flew to Daru on the coast to contact our missionaries there. Pastor John Richardson, president of the Papuan Gulf Mission, and veteran Pastor Sidney Stocken greeted me. From there, we went up the river by boat to the Oriomo River Mission Station, Pastor Stocken's headquarters. After spending a delightful Sabbath day there, we travelled four hours downstream at night with the aid of a spotlight. As the morning mists were dissipating, we three boarded the aircraft with Papuan evangelist Mino, who spoke the Papuan language and who was to assist Pastor Paul for a few weeks. After landing at Kayunga, we shook hands as a symbol of the linking of our Highland mission endeavour with that of the lowlands. Thus the dreams of many intrepid missionaries came true, and this without aching bones or bruised limbs from weeks of trudging over mountains or along swampy lowland trails, all made possible by our mission aviation program. In one swift move, we had burst the bounds of the mountain barriers and had plunged deeply into the heart of Papua. A few weeks later, on one of my regular visits, I arrived over Kayunga only to find that the clouds at treetop level offered no openings to locate the airstrip and land. The radio reported that the nearest airstrip not weatherbound was Nomad River. This is the centre of the fierce and dreaded Bayami tribe, the last known bastion of practising cannibalism. Each clan of the Biami people lives in constant fear of its neighbours. In front of each of their long houses, these people have a fighting platform from which they shoot human bone-tipped arrows smeared with poison. If an enemy reaches a hut, a heavy log crashes down on him as he stoops to pass through the low door. Circumstances forced me to make this unscheduled visit to these neglected people. When I landed, since few plans visit this outpost, the Papuan policemen gathered. Then the Australian patrol officer walked down. While we were talking, a few furtive Biami men gathered on the fringes, and finally we coaxed several of them to come to the aircraft. Grimy and sullen, they were armed with bows and arrows. Ludicrous bunches of grass hung from their waists at the back, while strips of bark cloth draped from their waists at the front. Obviously these people fear all strangers, just as they are feared by their neighbours, and the difficult clans were resisting all attempts by the government to pacify them. This timely contact with the government officer showed us that he was most helpful and anxious that we join in efforts to civilise the area. A short time later, I was pleased to take missionary Milton Hook and two of his national assistants from his mission headquarters into Nomad, where a hut was built beside the airstrip. These depraved people present a terrific challenge, but from this humble, newly established base, messengers of the gospel will offer love for hatred and peace for hostility. On the northwestern coast of Australian New Guinea, is the Sepik district, also part of my flying domain. 
the vast seepit plains are similar to the Papuan lowlands. At Ambumpti, 450 miles up the Sepik River, and approximately the centre of the area, is missionary David Lundstrom, whose expansive parish includes the May River, whose banks are made gloomy with continual stories of intertribal killings. Having returned from a nine-day patrol by boat and foot to this area in July 1968, David requested me to drop urgently needed supplies to two of his outposts. Seven people had just been murdered, and he had recently established a new station in the midst of these dangerous people. To keep in contact with his national workers, he had selected an airstrip site, which we were to inspect from the air this day. For two ear-splitting hours, we flew with the aircraft door removed, dropping tools, food, mail and school supplies. At one village, the villagers with the National Evangelist and his wife waved exultantly below. Two weeks previously, the woman had lost her baby at birth because there was no medical aid or transport. A few weeks after our entry into the Kayunga area, there was an amazing occurrence. A girl, eight years of age, had become critically ill where our national workers were building the new mission station. The girl was comatose and about to die. The whole village gathered around and began to lament in typical heathen despair. When our leader saw the cause, he was touched by their hopelessness and was constrained to seek God earnestly for his intervention on their behalf. Bidding the tumult to be quiet, he commanded them to bow their heads while he supplicated their compassionate Heavenly Father about whom they had only recently heard. After his simple prayer of faith, to the amazement of all, the girl sat up and requested something to eat. The whole village was deeply moved and determined to follow their newly found saviour, who had stooped to help them in their dire need. Sometimes I am asked whether I believe the stories of these astonishing healings. To disbelieve them when whole villagers attest to their verity would be perplexing then to ignore the evidence of one's eyes, and also the deep joy of the parents or relatives of the restored ones would be bewildering. Who am I to limit the power of the omnipotent God, who inhabits eternity, who has spread out the vast universe, and whose wisdom is revealed in the immensity of the revolving nebulae, as well as in the whirling atoms? Whether or not a person is raised from a deep coma, or death itself matters not to me, he who created all things animate and inanimate, who redeemed me and all who believe, is able to do all these and greater miracles. Many times I have been rebuked by the childlike faith of these humble people of the jungle, whose minds are uncluttered by the whys and hows of our more sophisticated society. Perhaps James was troubled by similar thoughts when he wrote, Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? James chapter 2, verse 5. With divine foresight, our Lord looked down to our godless age and was inspired to propose the provocative question, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Luke chapter 18, verse 8. Indeed he will, among the faithful of every land, including Papua and New Guinea. While we pause to thank God for the modern marvels of this technological age, which dramatically help us to carry the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth.
It is still true that the greatest want of the world is the want of men, not radios or planes. Only as these inventions are sublimated to the urgent task of soul-winning are they serving their heaven-appointed purpose. The following words of a well-known poem could well echo the plaintive lament of New Guinea. Bring me men to match my mountains. Bring me men to match my plains. Men with empires in their purpose and new era in their brains. Men whose thoughts shall prove a highway up to ampler destinies. Pioneers to clear thoughts marshlands and to cleanse old error's fen. Bring me men to match my mountains. Bring me men. Samuel Walter Foss This concludes Banish the Night by Len Barnard. Hello, I'm Dr Barry Harker, manager of 3ABN Australia Radio. I would like to thank Pastor Clive Nash for his wonderful reading of Banish the Night by the late missionary pilot and pastor Len Barnard. He has made these stories from another time come alive. Pastor Barnard was from New Zealand, but spent much of his life in mission service in Papua New Guinea. He was an unforgettable man of great faith, and this is reflected in the stories in Banish the Night. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Clive's reading of Banish the Night and been blessed by the stories and his reading of them. It won't be the last time you hear Clive on 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading. I would also like to thank Pacific Press again for kind permission to read the book on air. The book, first published in 1969, was reprinted in 2014. Banish the Night is available through Adventist Book Centres and it can be purchased online. Remember to tune in again next time as we begin another book on 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading. Thanks for listening. Let's listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. Psalm 54 is another contemplation of David, and again it is for the choir director. The thought of this psalm is an answered prayer for deliverance from foes. Save me, O God, by the power of your name. Give me victory by your great strength. Hear me now, O God. Listen to the words that I speak. For people I have not known have fought against me, and persecutors have sought to kill me. They do this because they do not respect God. But God is my helper. The Lord is with those who sustain my life. He will punish my enemies for the evil they have done. Utterly destroy them in your faithfulness. I willingly sacrifice to you, O Lord. I will praise your name, for it is holy. The Lord has rescued me from all my troubles. I have seen what I hoped would become of my enemies.' 